The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast. And thanks again for joining us this morning. As we take just a few minutes in God's Word, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 95 and pick up where we left off yesterday as we continue in studying this great passage of Scripture that references an aspect of worship. And we talked about worship. We talked about coming before His presence with singing. Uh, we talked uh, about Thanksgiving. We talked about His greatness. And, and now what we're going to do is we're going to move on. And as we talk about this aspect of worship, we're going to move on a little bit further into the aspect of who He is, His greatness, His power, His majesty, uh, the position that it has in our lives, what that means for what our, our position in Him, and then a uh, heart condition towards Him. Let's take a few minutes and evaluate this. Starting, I'm going to start in verse 3. It's, a, it's picking up from last time, but I think it gives us a great um, introductory thought to everything else we're going to say. So in verse 3, the psalmist said, For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. We talked He was the only one in, in a day and age when all of these false gods were being worshipped. He wanted to point them back to the one true God. Then he goes on and explains his greatness, and he, and he breaks down some aspects of, and using some great word pictures to help us to have an understanding of truly who he is. In verse 4, in his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is also his. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So we go back and we talk about, obviously, the first thing you can reference here is creation. Again, we've talked about this more than once, that if we look at God as a being of an evolved place, where we're just kind of, as humans we are in the world, if it's literally just an accidental thing that happened, and that there is no, that therefore there's no real God that designed us, and then we have no real purpose, it's easy for us to sit back and say, what's going on? What's the meaning of life? But yet, if we go back to, scientists like to call it intelligent design, we call it creation, where God had a plan. He created us in His image. He created the earth with a specific um, look and plan. He created it with a, a specific ending and destination. He had all of this in mind. And so we see this greatness, but also see, so that when you look out at the world and you see everything that's out there and the amazement of what we have around us, these are not accidents. We're not trying to figure out how something evolved to where it is. We look at this and we want to see the greatness of the God and the amazement of a mind that would create this, create the universe. You know, you think about the universe and the many of galaxies that we don't even know about. They're literally there just for the beauty, just for us to adore. And it's a reminder of the majesty of Almighty God, and that He would put it there for our pleasure. He'd put it there to remind us that He is always around us, surrounding us. He's always there to protect us and to help us. And this is the greatness. And then He says, the hands in the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills. Why the deep places of the earth? Things we don't know about, things we can't get to. He is there. The things that maybe we're a little afraid of, right? Uh, what's going on there? You know, what, what's down there? Maybe volcanoes, things of that nature. He, he, he's there. He's aware. He also says in the, the strength of the hills, you know, we I've driven through mountains. I use, I've told, mentioned this story before, but flying once into, a, into Arizona's airport, we were flying over the Rockies and uh, so you're looking down over these mountains, these, this, this incredible mountain range. And honestly, as we're flying in, the mountains seemed extremely close. 
to us as in, in the plane. But then right before we get ready to land at the airport, uh, the mountains end. I mean, there's just, there's just flat wall. Not too long after that, there's a whole bunch of houses, you know, city right, built right up against it. But when we passed over, it's like the ground disappeared and dropped, this huge drop. And now all of a sudden we're high in the air again. And, and many people, there was this gasp in the plane of uh, the uh, kind of almost a uh, surprise of this, this amazement, this power of this mountain that we had passed through. And then I get out and I go, I'm waiting in the airport for my exchange and my other flight. And I go to the, the windows and I look at the majesty, something I you know, hadn't seen in my life is the edge of the Rockies. And, and not only are they beautiful, not only are they amazing, they're powerful. How many people have gotten lost? I mean, just, just, just the awesomeness of what, just to be able to go through it, to see it. All of the things that happen up there, some aspects of mountains, you can't even get to the top. And you look at these things, the awesome power really is it, and he owns them. They're his hills. Verse 5, the sea is his, and he made it in form. Again, we're looking at another powerful, what we call force of nature. You go, you know, you look at the ocean, you look at the water, and you see something that is something we need for sustenance. But then something also can be very, very dangerous if we're not careful. And we look at it, it's the power of it, and we see his power over it when he split the um, the Red Sea and the Jordan River for the purpose of of protecting and directing Israel. So we we see the awesomeness of God and his his direct involvement and command over much of what we look at in awe. And awesomeness. And so what does he tell us to do when we understand this in verse 6? Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord of our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if we will hear his voice. Okay? He gives us a command to come worship, to come bow down and kneel. Why? It, it, we, he says at the end, he is our Maker. It comes back to a reminder. We are not God. The world wants us to think you're fine, you can be your own God. They may not use that phrasing, they used to, but they may not use it as much today. But you're fine, do your own thing, don't worry about anybody else, just kind of do whatever makes you happy. And God is saying, stop, bow down. Right? Stop thinking that you're the most important or you're the only thing. Bow down to him. That's what the author of the, this, what David is saying, bow down to him. Be reminded that he is God, he is above you. We are submissive to him. It is important for us in worship as a Christian, frankly, if you want to come to Christ as a, as a believer, you want to put your faith in him, you can't say that, well, God is equal to me, but I think I'm going to get this Christianity thing figured out. That's, that's not understanding God. That's not understanding Jesus as Lord. That's not at all. We must come and recognize he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the great I am. He is the only way to heaven. He is the creator of the universe. He is my creator, and he is God. And if I am not willing to come to him with that submissive spirit, I cannot be saved. And then as a Christian, I can't live my life if I'm not constantly placing myself in a submissive spirit before Almighty God. But you know, we look at this level of submission and it can become, humanly speaking, uh, if you're not careful, Satan pushes in. Remember in the Garden of Eden, one of the things that the, the serpent that Satan used to deceive Eve, she made the comment, he goes, you will, uh, you will not die, he called God a liar, for in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall be as gods, 
knowing good and evil. He said, listen, God's holding out on you. There's this whole aspect of life that you have not known. You know only good. You know wonderful. You know nothing but good. He said, but God's holding out on you. There's this part of life, the evil. He goes, you shall know good and evil. You know good, but you don't know evil. And you could even say, can you really know good without evil? And this is the deception brought to him. And the point was not that the that she wanted to know evil. The point was, I can know more. I can be as God's. And there was something that God knew. Obviously, he'd seen it. Satan existed. He had, he had rebelled against God in heaven. He understood the aspect of this evil. And then he was cast out. And he goes, listen, you're missing out on a big part of life, what Satan does. He lies, and then he drives you into things that you think are great that end up being empty and end up being destructive. And her desire was not probably to know evil. She didn't know what she's talking about. Her desire was that I can be more. I can have something. I can be as a God. And we do that. And the God is just a position. I want to have a greater position in my own life. I don't want to be submissive. And constantly, since that day throughout Scripture and in life, we have been challenged, commanded, and exhorted to put ourselves back under the, under the power of God in a submissive spirit. But can I tell you, times we see that as oppressive. Let me tell you why, as he continues, it's the exact opposite of something that would be oppressive. He says in verse 7, for he is our God. Number one, he, he belongs to us. He's not just a God. He is our God. And then we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. Why is that important? What does a shepherd do to his sheep? A shepherd protects his sheep. A shepherd provides for his sheep. He is not saying submit yourself so that you can be oppressed because he says in Matthew, come unto me all you that labor and heavy and laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto my souls. Yes, I'm to submit myself, but I'm not to submit myself as in the aspect of slavery. I'm not to submit myself and say I'm going to be miserable. I'm submitting myself to a God who loves me, who will protect me, who will provide for me. That's what he's saying. He's saying if we come and worship and we submit, there is a beauty, there is an awesomeness, there is a a wonder that comes by submitting ourselves to Almighty God that we don't fully understand until we're there. The world tells you it's wrong, it's opposite, you're going to miss out, and they have no idea what it means to be the sheep of his pasture, the people of his pasture, what it means. Can I encourage you with one last thing as we finish this section? He said... Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. Now, what he talks about in the next couple uh, verses is he says in the day when the believers or the children of Israel that followed them into the wilderness believed, refused to follow the instructions of God who had just freed them from Egypt. And now uh, they're, they're getting, you know, they're, they had they'd been to Canaan. They'd seen the promised land. They'd seen everything. They refused to believe um, the, ten, the two, two good spies. And, and so what happens in the wilderness is God forces them to walk around for 40 years. Why? Because they wanted God to fit their, their idea. They wanted God to be a God of what they wanted. And they wanted God to work a certain way and to the point where he didn't do what they wanted. They went out and made their own God. They went out and made a calf. And they did all of these crazy things. And so many times God had to, to bring punishment. So many times God had ultimately only a couple of them lived through. Only what well, we got um, Caleb and um, jo- um, J- uh, Joseph. Um, only the two of them made it. All Joshua and Caleb. I knew that was wrong. Joshua and Caleb. The only two that made it to the promise land. Why? Because they were willing to submit. The rest of the world wanted God to submit to them. 
instead of them submitting to God. And this is in all part of our life in church, in our direction, in our marriages, in our homes. As young people, as older people, God is saying, I will bless, but don't harden your heart. Don't think you can do it. You want to do your way and God needs to submit to you. We need to submit to him. And the word of God, not a preacher, not a movement, but the Bible. We need to let God's word be the thing that we submit to. And I, I dare say that too many Christians today, uh, refusing to follow the Bible, live missing out on all that God wants to put in their life because they just won't submit to the truths of the Word of God. Too many people searching the truth of eternity won't submit to God as God. God is the creator. God is the one who can give you your answer. And that's what we need to do. Stop trying to figure it all out ourselves and make it fit what we want. Start submitting to Almighty God and let Him have His place. When we do that in our Christian journey, there's a freedom. There's a peace. It's what He desires us to have. There's a protection. And, and not to harden our heart and say, I want it my way. Because you can say, look at what happened in your life and you can say, well, this is not fair and, and in turn hardening. That's what they did. But when you just trust God, because it starts with he is a great God. He is a good God. And so I trust in him because of his goodness, because of his greatness, and he's got something for me. And then I wait to see what he's got for me. Instead of fighting to have my own dreams implemented, I hold on to his hands and I watch his plan for me unfold. And may that be what we want to do. Well, thank you for joining us today on this episode of our podcast. And as we study the book of Psalms together, uh, we hope it's a help. Hope it inspires you uh, to get in, keep in the word of God, to keep close to him, keep your eyes on him and see what he can and will do in your life and in your journey. Thanks again for giving us a chance to be part of your day. And we hope you come back and join us again tomorrow.